Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. If you believe, you give me another amen. amen. Today, God will speak to you. Say amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, you are very wise. You have come to hear the word of God. Now, bless the person. The Lord will speak to you. Specifically, he will address you. And he will address me too. Say that situation, that confusion, that bewilderment will be dissolved today in Jesus' name. He said he sent his word and his word healed them. Say he will send the word to you today. And it will heal you. And it will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus. Alright, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now let's take our seats. The Lord is good. We will continue again from where we have been for a while. Revelations. We have been looking at the letter of Jesus to his churches. That is, the church as a whole, but different assemblies that he wrote. Um, he asked John to write to. We have established again and again that this letter may have been written to churches, but the responses were actually required of individuals. He wrote the letters to churches, but the responses were required of individuals. That's why he would say, he that has an ear, let him hear. Is one person that he's speaking to, an individual, even though the letter was written to the church as a whole. But he's saying each individual pay attention to what I have written. So you, is writing to you. So, so you have seven letters, seven different churches, but there is a lesson in each letter for each person. Are you getting my point here? That's it. Let's bear that in mind. And I just feel like saying it again. Remember, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. It is not true that God does not discipline his own children and that every negative thing, apparently, that comes into the lives of the people of God is the devil. It is not true that because of grace, God allows everything to pass. It's not true. Grace does not ever excuse our iniquities. No, it never does that. What grace does is to give us the power to obey. What grace does is to give us the power to overcome um, temptations. What grace does is to ensure that if there is um, a temptation, we can overcome it. Grace is the enablement to do what God wants. Grace is not that thing that makes everything go free. Very important. Grace does not mean that anything we do is okay. And God, you know, I've heard people that God will never rebuke a Christian. I don't know what that means. I mean, what do you call these letters? Are you getting my point to these churches? When he said that, look, anyone who commits adultery with Jezebel, I am going to punish all of them. He said it clearly. He said, I will strike Jezebel. I will cast her on the bed of affliction. And I will strike her children dead. It was the Lord Jesus himself speaking. So I don't know where we get some of these doctrines from. All right? They definitely cannot be true. The Bible doesn't give us that impression. When grace is manifested, 
grace tells everybody, depart from iniquity, and now you have the power to walk above iniquity. If you read uh, my, uh, I released a short sermon yesterday on our blog, which I titled, um, Is Your Faith Walking? Is Your Faith Walking? It is not about whether you are getting what you call results with faith. That's not what you know. You know, we have to get these things right. James said there are two kinds of faith. According to the classification of James, there is faith that is dead and there is a faith that is alive. How do you know their faith? Now, listen to me. The two of them feel alike in the hearts of the people. The man that has faith that's dead thinks he has a faith that is alive. That is why on the last day he will say to the Lord Jesus, Did we not cast out demons in your name? He thought he had faith. Are you getting my point here? But James said, such a faith cannot save. And what is a faith that cannot save? The kind of faith that a man has. The kind of faith that a woman professes. Alright? And it does not show in righteous works. No matter how good he feels about his faith, if he does not show in righteous works, that faith is dead. And there's one brother told me about a man in his office. He's a pastor in his church. Are you getting my point? And everybody knew him to be a womanizer. I, I don't know whether you get to my point here. That is, when women are coming, they will tell, when he's coming, they will tell women, hide. This guy is about to pass. And in his church, he's been ordained pastor. I know what he says. And he goes to a church where they teach this grace that, you know, grace, you know, by grace, you know, all your sins are forgiven. Listen to me. There are two kinds of sins that are forgiven by grace. The ones in the past that you have repented of, and the ones you fall into that you confess and walk away from. Anyone you sit in is not be, that has not been forgiven. And God being good does not mean he tolerates everything. The goodness of God is manifested in a number of things. The Bible says that he is slow to anger. I found out, therefore, that anybody that God punishes, he has warned. Are you getting my point here? By the time God is punishing somebody, it's because he did not heed warning. Because the fellow developer Paul called itching ears and decided to go to a place where they told him or told her that anything you go do is okay as long as you pay your tithes. That money answered all things. That when you give God something that is dangerous, he forgets his righteous principles and he blesses you despite your iniquity. Why? Money answered all things. If the fellow keeps on listening to that, he or she is setting himself or herself up for punishment. He's asking God, please make me an example of your righteousness. The Bible says he's slow to anger, which means that by the time he killed Uzzah, in an instant for touching the ark, they had been warning Uzzah before, beware of touching sacred things. That's the principle. He's slow to anger. That's the mercy of God. Number two, even though he's slow to anger, he's quick to forgive. Ahab, listen to me, Ahab so insulted God that God said he was going to wipe him away and his family. The Ahab repented. And God told Elijah, look how Ahab has humbled himself before me. As a result, what happened? God forgave him. But when he returned back to his, his ways of idolatry, his ways of wickedness, God had to punish him. Don't believe that stuff that the God of the Old Testament, what they call Old Testament, is different from the God of the New Testament. That thing is not true. It is the same God. He does not change. What gives us the impression that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament? It is not true. 
It is the same God, the same principles. He was kind then, he's still kind now. He was just then, he's still just now. What does it mean to be just? It means that he's, if, I mean, the soul that sins, he will kill. That's just. The soul that repents, he will forgive. The soul that begs for mercy and bears fruit in keeping with repentance, he will wipe away his sins. He has always been like that. You say, what about the sacrifice of Jesus? Listen to me. The sacrifice of Jesus has always been the issue. What I'm trying to say is that even David was saved by the sacrifice of Jesus. That is, when David offered his own animal sacrifices, he was connecting with the sacrifice that Jesus was going to bring later. Are you getting my point here? The difference now is that you and I, all right, one, of course, David and co operated under a covenant. And Jesus came and gave us a new covenant to operate with under the same God. His principles have been the same. The advantage we have now in Christianity is that the spirit of Christ now dwells in us. He said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth, they have been released through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It simply means that sin will not have dominion over me, over you, if we are of faith in Christ Jesus. It means we are back to the place where Adam used to be in quote, all right? That Satan needed to come and explain to him how to disobey God. Satan is back to just simply being a tempter in your life and my life. In the lives of those who have not believed, he's a lord. Look, the Bible said they are sold under sin. You are not sold under sin. You are sold under righteousness. But it does not mean you cannot walk out of it. If it was like that, then Jesus was not tempted. Because Jesus, even though he was righteous, he too was tempted. So we too may be tempted. That is the advantage of Christianity. It does not mean... It does not mean God now accepts any rubbish we do. When you know some people are close to judgment... It's when they start excusing sin because of grace. And Paul warned about it ahead of time. He said, are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? I mean, so there's nothing new that people are cooking up. I heard the priest that Ananias and Sapphira were not Christians. That was why God killed them when they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's conjecture. What do I call it? Conjecture. Yes, because the Bible says clearly they were believers. And here in the book of Revelations, he was warning Christians that none of those letters was written to an unbelieving group of people. They were believers. Please, let's take this Christianity serious. I had a man preach once, which is why I, I, I recommended some of his messages, but I don't listen to him much because of that. And that he used to say that God does not punish America. God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, now I don't believe that anymore. I believe that if God punishes America, he will have to apologize to Jesus Christ. I just say, you're in America, it's a free country. You can see there's freedom of speech. If you're a preacher, you can preach anything you like. Nobody will arrest you. But sir, this is not true. It's not true. It's definitely not true. Then to make God still judges people. And it says judgment must begin where? In the house of God. But he says, if we don't want me to judge you, judge yourselves. Like I said earlier, is God merciful? Oh, most certainly he is. But his mercy does not mean everything goes. His mercy means, number one, he's slow to anger. He wants people. That's the manifestation of his, the slowness and his goodness. He wants people. And number three, he's quick to forgive. 
Can I add something to it? You cannot postpone the day of repentance believing that you can forgive. I mean, are you getting my point? That, okay, we'll forgive, we will repent tomorrow. We'll continue iniquity today. When we have made enough money, we will now repent. That is what is called mocking God. It's mockery. You don't have faith. It's mockery. His slowness is when he's dealing with days of ignorance. The moment you are fully aware of what is going on, and you still postpone the day of salvation, you have cut off his mercy in your direction. Are you getting my point here? It's called mocking God. Mocking God is that I know what is right to do, but because I've been told that he's slow to anger, his anger is accelerated when you have that attitude. <laughs> because I feel I've been told that he's slow to anger. I will now continue what I am doing, saying that he will forgive me after a while. The truth is that you don't know the day of your own judgment. Please, let's balance this Christianity. Let me say something to you. When you a lot of people you are following, I mean, well, not you, I don't know you, but a lot of people who are going around in town preaching nonsense. You know the truth? They are not believers. They don't fear God. And I think because he has a title, pastor, you will follow him. Not knowing that the man does not fear God. There are men who wear robes, who carry titles. They don't fear God. And they head churches. Trust me, they do. I read the story. <laughs> Very funny story. In Melinkarota's prison to priest. Melinkarota said he was following a man. I mean, they went, it was Vietnam War. I'm saying this to you that you be careful who you follow. Don't swallow every doctrine. Some people are preaching doctrines. They actually don't fear God in their own hearts. Melinkarota said he was following this guy. The man was a sergeant. The two of them used to man a machine gun. So that guy was very brave, he thought. So he said, that, look, I must not show myself to be timid or afraid. So if <laughs> the ogre does anything, they are dropping bombs. They enter the bunker, they won't enter. Enter the ditch, they will not enter. The man will stay there while bombs are being dropped, enemy bombs all around them. So he says that, me too, I must be what? Brave. So he followed that guy everywhere. Then one day he and the guy were going somewhere. So he noticed that this is a minefield. They mined the field. You know what they call it minefield? They planted anti-personnel mines anywhere. You step on a wrong place, the bomb goes off, cuts off your leg, or cut off your life. You know that kind of thing? One of those two things. So the man was just walking recklessly. So normally they, tem- they teach them how to step in those areas. And then often if it's your, 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 your army that mined the area, you may have a map. They actually know where the mines are, so they can navigate it. So this man was just walking recklessly. So he stopped, he stopped, he slowed in and said, Sir, sir, this is a minefield. I think we have to be careful. The guy said, No need. He said, Why not? He said, I'm praying I step on one of them. I want to die. <laughs> so Melikarotas realized that all the bravery, it was the man was suicidal. <laughs> That's a, in life, be careful who you are following. I mean, only people. There are people who don't care. They don't care. And you'll be following the this and it's, 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 it's a pastor. They don't know that the man does not care. He said, what's, what's the worst that will happen? We'll go to hellfire. Eh? When we get to that bridge, we'll cross it. <laughs> Believe me, a lot of people don't fear God. Be careful how you follow people. When anybody starts preaching to you, making it look like God has given us a license to walk in iniquity, he doesn't fear God. And he wants to drag you down with him. Like I said at that time, God holds you personally responsible for your life. God holds you personally responsible for your life. 
So he gave an instruction to a young prophet. He said, when you get there, don't drink, don't eat, don't come back. And the old prophet said, the Lord said I should bring you back. He followed the old prophet. He died. The old prophet was there awaiting the day of his own judgment. Christianity is a serious thing. I was reading this Bible again today. He said, I rather you are very hot or you are very cold. Okay, that's what the Greek says. Either you are fervent or you are ice cold. So this normal Christianity, I don't like it. Ice cold means that I prefer people who have never heard the gospel who are just walking in darkness. To those who have heard it, claim to believe it, but they are not living a life that reflects what they believe. No, God said it doesn't like that. That's what we have been looking at in this series. So let's take heed to all the things we have been saying. It's for our own personal lives. I have, I have a very strong feeling, very, very strong feeling. It's very strong that we have pushed God to, an, to a point where he has to, he doesn't have a choice anymore to release his anger and discipline his people. And these messages are going so that people can deliver themselves. That's all. That's all. When I was in secondary school, I, when I had, you know, when we were little children in those days, they taught us about the iniquities of man. There were things I did not know happened in my lifetime. I didn't know those things would happen in my, my, my lifetime. And this is what I now realize. There are also judgments that will happen in my lifetime that I did not realize will happen. Let me just make the point again. There is no other way to deliver oneself from God's judgment but to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness, to walk in the fear of the Lord. There is no other way. You cannot use faith to claim deliverance if you have not used that faith to claim a life of holiness. People misuse faith. Oh, people, we, we misuse faith a lot. We think faith is about how I get something out of God. Read your Bible. The first thing faith is supposed to do for you is help you walk in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Like I was saying earlier, is my faith walking? It's not whether I produce the car for me. No, no, no. You, because you see, faith is either living or dead. If your faith is living, the way you will know is living, it's not because of the knowledge you have. It's not because of the words you speak. James made it clear that those who profess dead faith, they, will, they are very good at prophesying. You say to them, there's no food. They say, come. I speak to you. Be filled right now, right now, right now. They speak with a lot of faith boldness, it appears like. There's no, there's, there are no clothes. Everywhere but it's cold. I speak to clothes. Come to them. Be warm. Be warm. I speak to cold in your life. Disappear right now. Meanwhile, the man has two blankets there. He's not releasing one. Why? This one is being saved for my own tomorrow. When this is, this is for this cold season. The second blanket is for the next cold season. And then if my children grow bigger, we'll add this blanket to each other. So I will prophesy warmth into your life. The truth is that his faith is dead. So I'm speaking words of faith does not mean my faith is alive. My faith is dead if my words that I'm speaking cannot change my character. If I say I believe in prosperity, yes, I don't have money now, I don't have much now, but I believe in prosperity and I keep on declaring the prosperity, prosperity, God says, fine, let me see how it is affecting your generosity. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. That if you really believe in prosperity, you will be a cheerful giver, not somebody who gives only when they promise that he will receive something. Most people who do that thing, they don't believe. They are selfish people. They are investors. Like I say all the time, God never said I love a cheerful investor. He said I do what? 
I love a cheerful giver. I've heard people say that when you give, you have to use your faith to believe it is producing for you. You don't have any faith at all. No matter what you declare because you are selfish. Faith, the Bible says, works by what? By love. If I'm not giving out of love, I don't have faith. I'm pretending. I am simply what? Pretending. So you want to check whether you have faith or not? It's not what, what I look. Yesterday I declared and money came. There are those who had faith more than you declared and money did not come. Why? Because God said it's not time for money. Sometimes we don't realize everything has its own time. Naaman brought stuff to Elisha. Elisha was at other times we have received. He said, but it's not the time for today. In the same manner, there are times you want to declare for money because you know, it's a time to abase. Not, it's not the time for big... No, no. So God just relax. So with all the faith that Je- Je- Jeremiah had, God said no. Right now, I won't listen to that prayer. It's a time for judgment, not the time for mercy. With all the faith that Paul had, God said, listen, relax. Your faith will produce more grace for you, but I'm not removing this thing. With all the faith that Moses had, God said, you're not entering that promised land, forget it. So is my faith producing? Is it alive? It's not in what it's producing for me. It's in how it is changing me. The first thing faith is supposed to do for me is to change me. Are you getting my point here? So am I believing God for healing? Yes, the healing will come. Life is working in me. Do I really have faith? I don't check in how much, how, how much have I improved between today and tomorrow, and from yesterday to today. No. How has it affected how I think? How has it affected how I behave? How has it affected my patience towards people? That's what faith does. The way you assess whether your faith is working or not, like James, like Peter said, if these qualities are yours and are what increasing, you are adding to your faith virtue. You are adding to your to, to virtue, long suffering, kindness, brotherly kindness, love, all of those things. Those are the things that prove that your faith is working. Those are the things that prove that faith is working. So let's continue reading. Revelation chapter 2. We've read this for a number of days. But I have things that I still need to say about them. So we have to go over them again before we go to the next uh, portion. Revelation chapter 2. Let's start from verse 12. We've read this before. We'll just read them again. We'll stop at the end of chapter 2. Now if we finish that, we'll now go into chapter 3. Because I want to talk about something today. It's unto the angel of the church in Pergamon right? The one who has a sharp twist so says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And I know that you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, my faithful one who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, not many things, just a few, which makes it easy, all right, to adjust your life. Can I just say something to you? Each time in your life, God is saying one thing to you. Following God is very easy. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, it's not difficult. It's not difficult. Listen, all you need is a heart that desires it. It's not hard. The Lord Jesus said, my yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is light. Following the Lord is not hard. It's not hard. Usually it is one thing he's saying to you at a time. If you see these churches, he'll just speak one thing. And he says, that's the only issue. The rest of you, there's no problem. But hold on to what you have. Look, following God is not hard. No, really, it's not hard. Believe me. I'm sorry, let me go. I don't want to digress again. But let me just say to you, following the Lord is not hard. People say to show that you're a serious Christian, you'll go without food and water for three days. It's not Christianity. Following the Lord is not hard. I've heard people complain and you know, grumble. 
How can I give church my whole January salary? What will I eat in February? Once you say that, God doesn't want... First, he never commanded it. Let's leave that one, number one. I can tell you that one for sure. You know I know this Bible small. Are you getting my point? It's unfortunate the way people talk. But the point is, let's even assume that the Lord will have loved it. I can assure you of one thing. If it's that grievous for you, he doesn't want it. As a rule, the works of righteousness are not hard. They're not. Sometimes people say, one brother said, they are church for the ordain you pastor. You will camp you somewhere, you will not eat, you will not drink for five days. I say, I don't want to be pastor in your church. Forget it, I, I don't want. I'll tell the Lord, is your ordination? I'm not going. Five days, no food, no water. Like my mother would say, did you kill somebody? <laughs> Believe me. See, Jesus said like this, my yoke is easy. And my burden is what? Is light. That's a matter of fact. It's only people who don't love righteousness that find it hard. If you have not made chasing women a habit, what is hard in it? In not doing that, I mean, like, what is the big deal? Go and marry your own wife now. I don't know what you're getting my point. It's not a big deal. And those who have chased 100 women, they've come at the, end of, at the age of 60. They came and told us of us who are young. Say, don't worry, that is a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Just conserve your energy. And the guy who told us that first, Solomon. And if you, if you want to believe somebody, believe Solomon in that area. He knows what he's talking about. Let me say something to you. He said, ah, can I go into the jungle to go and preach the gospel? Listen to me. If it's hard for you, don't go. Did you hear what I said? If it is hard, don't go. If you go, you will die. If you die, you will die for nothing. He said, what do you mean? When people go, it's not people like you that think it is hard. People like Paul, they were begging them not to go. They said, we will go. He said, they will kill you. It's not death. Those are the kinds of people that God sends to those places. Those that God sends to Meduguri are not those who are worried about their message Benz. Oh, no, no. Before God sends you to Sambisa Forest, he will make you dream of Sambisa Forest. You will love Sambisa Forest. You will want to go there. He works in you both to will and then to do. He doesn't like people who are struggling. I mean, he has enough problems with those who are willing to go for him to now be struggling with those who are not willing. What the Lord does, first of all, is to work on your willingness. You know, Bishop Dukwe said something once. He said that um, Tembu was speaking evil about him. And one of his uh, daughters in the Lord was there, and she heard. So she came to him, and she was crying. Eh, look at this, you know? This was years ago. <laughs> I wonder how much more evil they will be speaking today. This story I'm telling you now is more than 10 years ago. People can now say more things if they want to speak now. So the lady now said to him that, eh, we all know how you suffered. Ah, he said, I suffered. When? I don't know whether you get my point. He said, when I suffered? When did I suffer? <laughs> he started laughing. So these people thought I was suffering. Now, listen to me. There were times that I didn't have food in his house. He didn't think he was suffering. Are you getting my point? There was a time he said church was not growing, things were not moving. He made everybody pray and pray and pray and pray. He didn't think he was suffering. There were times where he would give out all the money, every material thing he had for the preaching of the gospel. He never thought he was suffering. It was those looking from outside that thought he was suffering. I hope you are getting my point here. So if you ask some people, go and join him that time. You know what they will have said? I can't suffer. 
but he did not consider it suffering. Paul said, none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as dear unto myself. What was pushing Paul? I must finish the preaching of this gospel. So when I say it's not hard, I know what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's, it's very easy by human standards. But for the person doing it, it's not a big deal. Paul now wrote later, he said, whether I have plenty or I have little, I am the same in the midst of both types of circumstances. I have the grace to bear abundance. I have the grace to bear the lack. I can bear both of them. So for him, it was not a hard thing. All I'm going to say, so if you're afraid to go, don't go. When Jesus too became, a, in quote, in quote now, afraid to go to the cross, did he go? Where did he go? The garden. He, didn't, he too did not go. The cross is hard. We are not going to go. What are we going to do? We are going to pray. He prayed until he wanted the cross. Christianity is not hard. Each time, God is just asking for one thing from people. That's what, that's what I'm trying to explain. Each time in your life, there's just one thing is asking, asking from you. Maximum, two things. That's why Jesus said, man, when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those who suffered for him did not consider those things suffering. You'll be amazed that a man sleeping on the floor in a cell where he's been in prison for the gospel's sake is not more uncomfortable than you that's awake because power went off. Yes, I'm serious about that. I told you once I was watching The Passion of the Christ as they were beating Jesus. And Joy and my wife were with me that day. We were watching the film together in my house. And of course, two women. Oh, oh, you know the way women can be at such times. Guys could just they look like now, wow, you know. <laughs> men. Some men will be looking like, ah, ah, these guys are tough, my God. And as they are saying it, they are biting the banana in their hands, they are eating, throwing granuts. Uh, but the women were like, oh, oh, for my sin, my sin, oh, my sin. <laughs> doesn't mean the men don't believe you. They, they believe, they believe. It's just that they know this one is a film, so <laughs> they know. <laughs> so that day we were watching this, thing, and the two women with me were all, of course, you can imagine. Oh, 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 oh. So I just made a statement. I said, it's not paining him. My wife looked like, which kind of man did I marry? You know that kind of? <laughs> so what do you mean? I said, it's not paining him. The actor or the Jesus? I said, Jesus. How can you say it was not paining him? I said, it wasn't paining him. So all this beating is not paining him. I said, no, he's not feeling it again. You know my reason? I said, the time it pained him had passed. I said, he was in the garden. I said, this one, before the blood comes out, they have to beat him. In the garden, he bled. Nobody touched him. Pain, the part of pain that is important is the one that's inside the soul, not the physical one. That day I said, look, it was, I said, it's not paining him. And what do I mean? By the time the will of God has soaked him, you're getting the point? By the time that will has soaked him, by the time he had drunk of the will of God and he was, no, he was drunk with it. Believe me, the pain I, I Look, the soldiers suffered more fatigue than he did. Not because the cross was not painful, but because the will of God 
having encompassed the man, the will of God, having overtaken somebody, makes the difficulties of life look simple. I I don't know whether you are getting my point here. That is why you will be begging Paul. Don't go to this place. They will imprison you. Don't go. They will beat you. And he says, why are you making me feel bad? That is, the people with him were feeling more pain than he was going to feel. That's what the will of God does. That's what I mean when I said earlier that if you are afraid to go to Sambisa Forest, don't go. I'm not saying disobey God. That's not what I mean. I just mean you are not ready yet. No, you are not ready. You are not ready yet. His yoke literally is easy. And his burden is light. And that's why believers, we have an assignment. Look, I've said this thing before. Let me say it again. You know, I just, how am I preaching about this today? When I said that, look, following the Lord is not hard. You know what he said? My ways are simple to him who understands. The problem is that a lot of people don't understand. They don't know how to follow the Lord. They learn methods. They learn methods. They learn methods how to pray. Method how to do evangelism. Method on how to give. Method on how to get results. Method on how to preach to somebody for somebody to be saved. Method, method on how to grow a church if they are appointed a branch pastor. You learn methods. And we get overwhelmed with methods. But what, you know what James said? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you will grow thereby. You say, what does that mean? Let me explain something. Those days in presidential hotel, when they say I had a gym there, I used to go there when the hotel was still functioning. I was a member of their gym. I used to go there. Then when my son, Akindu, was small, one day came with me. Of course, kids are not allowed in the gym because of the metals and all of that. It's kind of hazardous. But okay, that he came with his mother. He didn't come with me. He came with his mom. So he saw us carrying dumbbells. You know, called dumbbells. I'm asking the women. You, know what I'm you, you, you people know. Okay. So, some of us are like that. There's some of us. Uh-huh. Now, I can't remember the weight of the one my friends and I, one of my friends, we used to go together. Way. You know, we had this one, so you just carry the thing. So my son looked at it. I, I, you know, men now just bend down. You know, that kind of thing. You know, just be walking out. So the boy came to where one of those things was lying down. So he wanted to pick it one hand. He didn't refuse to move. So he put two hands. He didn't refuse to move. Then he tried his best. The thing did not shift one bit. I guess he made up his mind, this one is screwed to the ground. <laughs> so I drove him away from there. I said, better move away before you enjoy yourself. He didn't know it could be that heavy. He couldn't budge. He was very small that time. This was years ago. I don't think he was more than three. Now, think about this. Will it make any sense for him to come and be checking the method for using it? I can once when we were in school. You no, know, we used to know boys, know the way boys do now. So we had this small, you know, we had this bulwarker, these things you bend, this uh, this spring, you bend, you check, you check the checks expanders, all of those kind of things. So when they were at the back of the hostel, we were walking out. Some guys on our come, you know. I know we, we looked a bit lean that time, so my guy would just pick one. Do you know how those springs right? if you hold close to the spring, it's very hard. You have to hold it at the extreme if you are a beginner. So we, we had been chopping the thing for a while. So at the end, <clears throat> you move your hand closer. <clears throat> so one guy came. He thought he was bigger than us. He almost injured, ruptured his spleen where he was struggling with the thing. Ah, the thing will expand, hit him with the stomach. So very relaxed. You know what? He left the place. You know what he said? There's a trick you guys are using. <laughs> I told him, so boy, 
There's no trick. It's called strength. You've not built your strength. Come back enough. After a while, you'll have the strength to do what we are doing. There is no trick. The guy was sure there was a trick. Because I saw the rest of us. Ah, what do these guys have that I don't have? I said, no, we have built strength in our muscles. So when we grab these things, we have become accustomed to right and wrong. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? By reason of what? Use. This is Christianity. How will it be? Somebody wants to go, you know, like I said, want to follow the Lord. All of those things I've said, method on how to pray, how to give, how to uh, do evangelism. It appears hard. When you see those who can do it, you wonder there's a trick they are using. But you know what James said? Desire the sincere milk that you may do what? Grow. What did my friend and my son need? Growth. He didn't need to come back to the gym with me. He needed to go back home and go and eat. Just continue eating. The reason why you can't carry this thing is that you're a small child. The reason why I can't is that I'm a full-grown adult who has exercised his muscles in this area. That's all. It's not about learning the trick. It's about just going home, eating regularly. If your mother says, eat your vegetables, eat it. Say, this soup is good. Don't say, I want ice cream. Then give it time. I mean, just 10 years, you'll be a teenager. You've gotten to a point where your muscles can start responding because you need some hormones to pump the muscles for you. Just wait. That's Christianity for you. Christianity is not about learning methods. A lot of people go to church, want to teach them how to. There's no how-to. James said, feed on the word. You will grow to a point. Everything will become easy. Now, why it is hard to us is that we put our energy into the wrong thing. People say, when you follow those who are doing evangelism, you will begin to you know how to do evangelism. It's not true. Paul retreated into the wilderness. He went and hid somewhere. That was where he learned evangelism. Why? Simply because he had what to say. When he was there, he was built up by his encounters with the Lord. Evangelism is not a trick. It's just open your mouth and talk. Just say something that comes, that the Holy Spirit puts in your mouth, or just tell us the story of your personal life. I hope you're getting my point here. Believe me, Christianity is not a hard thing. The problem is that people put their energy into the wrong things. I've learned, I don't copy me. I don't copy anybody. Oh, God, no. You can inspire me, I don't copy anybody. In fact, I, don't, I can't remember copying anybody in the last 20 years. But one thing I do is, no, you can ask my wife, ask those who are close to me. I listen to the word of God all the time. I am always learning. I am always learning. No, yes, they rearranged some of the messages of Derek Prince I had on my phone. So when I was about to transfer, you know, I downloaded some new ones to fill up some gaps that I had. So I wanted to transfer it to the phone. I decided to count. I found out that in just one soup, I was moving 122 messages of Derek Prince, which I know that over the next few weeks, I will listen to every single one of them. For once I look at it, what did he say here? I can't remember. I start playing it. I don't copy anybody. Gone are the days in school, those days when they said that uh, you have to do this, uh, this is how you prophesy. When you pray, you keep quiet. The first thing that comes to your mouth, you say it, and then the rest you follow. I don't do such anymore. The Bible says, prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Don't, not of your method, of your faith. This one, I don't understand it. I leave it alone. There the are things I don't do. People say, you just, you just. <laughs> no, I, I, I tried this in those days. When people say, how do you see vision? Just close your eyes. You speak in tongues until you fall asleep. 
And then your spirit will enter into the spiritual realm. I don't believe those things anymore. You know, it's, I look back, I say, Bank, you mean you can't believe those things? Anyway, you're a child of those days. You, should, you have to believe it for this season. I mean, you are asking yourself, what was Paul doing when he saw his first vision? He was fighting Jesus Christ. So now he looked for trouble. So Jesus came back to answer him. He wasn't being spiritual. The first time God appeared to Jeremiah, it was, it was quarrel. Before you were born, I knew you. I didn't do a prophet. No, I can't speak. It, it, was, it wasn't like he was yielded. He knew how to connect. God gave him his own ministry in life. I don't know why I'm getting my point here. Christianity is not hard. Trying to copy people and do what they are doing is unnecessary. The only thing you're supposed to do is just do one thing, not even two things. Just feed on the word. Love the word. I'm careful not to say obey the word. you know why? The word works obedience in you if you really love it. If your heart is really for that word, when it enters you, it works obedience in you. Christianity is not hard. When they are going to fight the Midianites, you know the first thing Gideon said to them, to reduce the army, if anybody is afraid, go home. That's what he said. If anybody is afraid, what do you do? Go home. So the guy is checked and said, man, I think I'm afraid. And the Lord was not angry with anybody. Christianity is not hard. It's only hard for those who don't love righteousness. If you actually love righteousness, it's not hard. God has only one thing he's asking you to do. Just love the word. Feed on the word. He will correct you. He will move you. He will transform you by himself. So that when it is time to go to San Bisa for evangelism, you'll be the one begging, please, you go and join the church that you know they have branches in Sambisa. You now start negotiating. Please, when will you post me to the northern part of Nigeria? Uh, okay, we need people in Mina. No, I don't mean Mina. Sir. I'm talking about, um, you know. Okay, so no, 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 no. Meduguri axis. Ah, no, your bishop will look at you like, are you sure? Yes. Why are you sure? You now spiritualize it. As I was praying last night, my spirit began to, you know, I saw myself. <laughs> You didn't tell him the Holy Spirit said. Just I saw myself. Now you conjure yourself. The man will not. I've seen people like that too. They've gone. Look, one man I met in the north some time ago. That's what he told me. He, he joined the church so that they could post him, post him to the north. And if you are not posting him, he's resigning. The Lord has so worked in him. He was the one that wanted. Are you getting my point here? That is a fact. It's not hard. So each time God is just saying one thing to you. And I'm convinced one of the major things he's saying to Christians in at least in our country today. Is listen, go and learn the word. Many people don't know the word of God. No, they don't. Many people have learned methods. Their Christianity is about methods. If you want something from God, this is what you do. That's the, that is half of the knowledge a lot of people have, which is faulty knowledge. That's what they call Christianity. And if you tell them that, it doesn't work. They've practiced like that for the last five, six, seven, eight, sometimes 15, 20 years. So if you come to them and say, that's not how it works. You are telling them they have wasted their time, all right? They've been wasting time for the last 20 years. But the fact is that if you are wasting your time, you are wasting your time. Me telling you now is not what's changing it. Or it's not what is causing it. What a lot of people know is that if I want from God, I do this. If I need this, I do this. If I need this one, I do that one. That's all they know. So they keep on accumulating methods. I told you once, I was somewhere, a man was preaching. He said, we have given, we have not seen the result. We have tightened, we have not seen the result. We have given first fruits, we have not seen the result. So I began to pray. I said, God, what is still missing? And the Lord said, you have not yet serviced your prophet. 
So can you see he's adding one thing to the other? Why? He's waiting for prosperity. When he gave was so that he could be multiplied. When he tightened so that God would rebuild the devourer and pour him an abundance that is, he will not be able to hold. But he had not seen it. If he had come to me, I would have told him that it's not necessary. I would have explained to him that if you want to do good works, do it the good works because God has given it to you to do. Not because you want to get something from him. But when nothing worked, he finally said that he prayed and the Lord said to him, he, have, he hasn't yet serviced his prophet. Should I tell you something? There's nothing like that. Christians have learned a lot of methods. They even learned methods of how to wake up at 2 a.m. and be fighting spiritual battles that's not theirs to fight. I know the truth. It's pure what? Ignorance. I believe one primary thing the Lord is saying to us, and the second one, of course, which I talked about earlier, depart from iniquity. Iniquity has been normalized now in all of our churches. Those are just the two things I think he's saying to us now in today's church. Go and learn the word. He said, don't be ignorant. You know, somebody sent something to us, you know, my, into a child group I belong to. And of course, they said, comment, pastor, com-, you know that kind of thing, com- pastor, comment. So I gave him an answer, but let me tell you what the fellow talked about. The fellow talked about how his life, his family was messed up, torn apart. He was a child that time. After 18 years of marriage, his parents divorced. He was a child. I think he left with his mother or her. I don't even know whether it's a he or a her. All right, left with the mother and said, I didn't know my father much, but I knew he was well-educated. He was a chartered accountant. The mother had an MSc. Anyway, yeah, the mother had the master's. The man was doing well. Now, listen to me. They had eight children, eight kids. This guy was like maybe the last or maybe one away from the last. But he had eight children. Now, what is the issue? Listen to this. One day, the father had some problems. Like I said, it happens to us in the wife. People can have problems. Not a big deal. Then the father, the mo- no, they, they were Catholics. They joined them, redeemed. According to him or her, that redeem was not hot enough for the mother. So she went to MFM. And then the father needed a solution to their problems. He went to one white garment church somewhere in Lagos. The MFM people, the MFM pastor in that branch in Lagos said to the mother that your husband is an occultist. Yeah, that's the story. Your husband is an occultist. And that the reason why he lost his job and had problems some years ago was because he was not offering regular sacrifices. And to make up for the lost time, he offered your eldest daughter. And that's why your daughter died. Are you getting that? Then when the man went, they said your wife and five of your remaining seven children are witches. And they have been sent to come and destroy you because you are the only one that has made progress in your extended family. The man believed. The woman believed. Two of them returned to the same home. You can, war began. I don't need to give you details. Okay, I don't have the details, but you can easily imagine the kind of war zone the home be, became. Of course, you, the divorce is understandable. When I told my wife, my wife said, are they so stupid? I said, baby, don't say that. I said, you are talking like this because the word of God has liberated you. I mean, it sounds so strange to the ears that somebody can believe that. But the truth is that it only sounds strange because you have been liberated by the word of God. People believe that every day. It's very painful. The amount of ignorance people are having to deal with these days. 
And people will go and they will be praying. Listen, this is the letter of Jesus to the church today. Go and learn the word. 